Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We're back in the book of 2 Samuel today. We'll be looking at chapters uh, 23 and 24. We're um, finishing off our study of 2 Samuel today. Now, we'll jump in right in. The last words of David. Now, these are the last words of David, the oracle of David, the son of Jesse, the oracle of the man who was raised on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. So the narrator, uh, again, sets David up, gives him a, a title like this. Uh, he's anointed. He was raised on high. In other words, his kingdom was established by God. Um, so verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, He dawns on them like the morning light. Like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning. Like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. We get a picture of David's rule as a a king. Did he make mistakes? Yes. But did he depend on God? Yes, he did. And as I was reading that, it kind of made me think that um, wouldn't it be great if we were acting like parents like that to rule so justly over our children? Wouldn't that be great? Um, Verse 5, For does not my house stand so with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For will not he cause to prosper all my help and my desire? Verse 6, But worthless men all are like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be taken with the hand. But the man who touches them arms himself with iron and the shaft of a spear, and they are utterly consumed with fire. Okay, so a contrast between a righteous 
man and an unrighteous man. Now we come to a section starting with verse 8. And it kind of goes down to verse 39. I'm not going to read all these names, but this is a listening of all David's mighty men. Um, and so it just tells of these mighty men that helped him out, stood by him, and allowed him to um, conduct his kingdom. And so it acknowledges them, their bravery, their their loyalty, their faithfulness. Um, so then that concludes uh, chapter 23. And um, so now we come to chapter 24. This is the last um, chapter in Second Samuel. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army, who was with him, Go through all the tribes of Israel from Dan and Beersheba, and number the people, that I may know the number of the people. Now, my study Bible says, the Lord didn't incite David because God never does evil. But sometimes he uses evil moral agents to accomplish his purposes. So, Second Chronicles 21 verse 1 has an account of this a slightly different. It says Satan incited David. So when you take all this together, the interpretation is, is that God allowed Satan to incite David to go number the people. And so my study Bible is pointing out that this is an example of God, that, uh, an example that David is numbering the people because you know, he wants to know how big his army is in case he needs to use his army. And uh, it's, an, it's, a, it's a, um, an example that he doesn't need to count the people because he has God on his side. But David's now thinking like a, a mortal man. He's not thinking like a, you know, he used to where it didn't matter to him what the odds were. Don't we all have our episodes where we think like mortal man? Don't we all, even at the apex of our career, even at the apex of our faith, that we think we're at the apex of our faith, where we could really honor God by trusting Him, and all of a sudden we turn around. We want to know what the odds stack up are. We want to know how many soldiers we have compared to the opponent. Just to be on the safe side. How do things shape up? And then Joab said to the king, May the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times as many as they are, while the eyes of my Lord 
the king still see it, but why does my lord the king delight in this thing? In other words, why do you want to do this? But the king's word prevailed against Joab and the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out from the presence of the king to number the people of Israel, and they crossed the Jordan. So in other words, they go around and start numbering the people. And at the end of the tally, uh, the people in Israel, there were 800,000 valiant men, and the people of Judah were 500,000. So he gets his answer. And then the Lord, then David's heart struck him after he had numbered the people. And David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I've done. But now, O Lord, please take the iniquity from of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. In other words, David was convicted of his foolish behavior. And when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's servant, saying, you know, basically says, you've done bad, I'll give you three choices for your punishment. Three years of famine, or will you flee to the months Will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? Pursue you, or three days of pestilence in your land, like a plague for three days? David said to Gad, "I'm in great distress. Let us fall in the hand of the Lord, for His mercy is great. But let me not fall into the hand of man." Isn't it interesting that? David's talking to God through his prophet. In the old days, David used to talk directly. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel from the morning until the appointed time. And 70,000 people died. And when the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented. He said, that's enough. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor um, of Ariana, the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Behold, I have sinned and I've done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? But let your hand be against me and against my father's house. So Gad that day came to David, this is verse 18, and said, Go raise up an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word as the Lord commanded. And when Arana looked down, he saw the king and his servant coming on toward him. And Arana went out and paid homage to the king. And Arana said, Why has the Lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be averted. Then Arana said to David, Let the Lord the king, my Lord the king, take and offer up what seems good to him. And all of this, O king, Arana gives to the king. Arana said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king, King David, said, No, I'll buy it from you for a price. 
And I will not offer burning offerings to the Lord my God. It, they cost me nothing. So David buys this threshing floor, which was a piece of property above his house. It was up on a mountainous hill, and it looked down over the city. And this is eventually where King Solomon will eventually build a temple. So David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land, and the plague was averted from Israel. The threshing floor. The threshing floor, they would take the grain up on the top of the hills so the wind could separate the seed from the, um, the chaffed. That's why they called it the threshing floor, but it was on high up on a mountain, not in the valley. So it was up there. That's where the altar was. And eventually, that's where the, the next temple's going to be. So that's where the book of Second Samuel ends. It ends on a high point, a high note of building this offer, altar. So we stop here. And we'll turn the rest of the podcast today over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing your take on this study today. And as always, for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. We'll see you here next time tomorrow as we continue our study. And I believe we're going to be starting First and Second Kings. Look forward to going through this part of the Bible with you all. And as always, for me to all of you, God bless you. We'll see you here next time. And our prayers go up, as always, for sweet Emma and sweet Jean. Hello. So we come to the end of our study <clears throat> in the book of Second Samuel. And our teaching today is coming from Second Samuel, beginning at chapter 23, verse 1, all the way through to chapter 24, verses 1 through to verse 25. So in chapter 23, we have David, David's final words, and a list of all his mighty men. And here David <clears throat> identifies himself. Verse 1 reads, Now these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse. Thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of Jacob, sorry, the anointed of God, the anointed of the God of Jesse, of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. So, um, he's the son of Jesse. A peasant, he lifted up, he, actually he was lifted up to be king over God's people. So he was raised up to to be king over God's people. And he's the anointed of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. So the God of Jacob took a man that was not only an ordinary man, but a man that had the propensity to do evil. And he took that man and brought him around and made him a mature saint of God. He never threw him overboard. Um, just like the, just as the Lord has never 
and will never throw us overboard. So, um, the Lord Jesus Christ is the sweet psalmist um, of is to Israel. <clears throat> Verse 2 goes on to read, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. So we need, you know, men who are led by the Spirit of God today to be in power. So if, you know, men who hold the highest office today do not fear the Lord, we will never get corruption out of these high places. We will never have justice. We will never have a just rule. We will just have men who make the worst decisions and who um, who are not just, who are very corrupt and you know, who are just morally wrong. Verse 3 goes on to read, The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over me must be just, ru- ruling in the fear of God. So we need... Um, Men in high places who rule with the fear of God. Verse 4 reads, And he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds like the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. So back in Second Samuel 7, Dr. J.V. McGee said that, you know, that verse chapter rather is one of the greatest chapters in the bible it's god's covenant with david so god said he will um, bring in david's line one and this is the same one god had promised to eve in the garden of eden this is the same one god promised to abraham and he renewed the covenant to Isaac and Jacob. It's the same one that Moses talked about. Um, and Joshua as well. And now David made this covenant by God. Verse 5 goes on to read, Although my house is not so with God, yet he made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure for this is all my salvation and all my desire will he not make it increase so david is here he's simply saying that his house is not worthy of this of what of him his house being chosen david had sin in his life but he was a man after god's own heart david had faith so he didn't get the, um, this or to be chosen by merit he didn't he wasn't deserving it's not that he was he was picked because he was special it's not because of who he was or on merit and he wouldn't you know merit him being picked by merit would not have saved him just like we are not picked by merit because if we were we wouldn't be saved as if it was um you know on a merit basis we wouldn't get, be saved at all. So God has made an everlasting, we're saved because God has made an everlasting covenant 
with us, which is John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall have everlasting life. So we have an everlasting covenant with God. God will not throw us overboard, or he's not going to throw us overboard. As long as we believe in him, we shall have everlasting life, and that's an everlasting covenant that we have with God. This should be the desire of every believer's heart today because we have this everlasting covenant with God. Jumping down to verse 8, which reads, These are the names of the mighty men whom David had, Josheb, Beth, the Tachmonite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino and Esnite because he had killed 800 men at one time. So from here, like from verse 8, we're actually given a catalog of the mighty men of David. These are the men that actually came to David during the time that he was exiled by King Saul. These men were dressed, sorry, what am I saying? These men were distressed, they were persecuted, and they were oppressed by um, King Saul and came to David when David was exiled. And this is how one comes to Christ. Once one recognizes that they are in distress, they need the Lord Jesus Christ. And then um, when, they, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, because we have an everlasting covenant and he is our rock and we're supposed to rest in him, he cancels our debt of sin for us. These men are outstanding and they did many wonderful things and they came to David. They came to David's aid. And we'll actually mention but a few. And I'll drop down to verse 11. And it reads, And after him was Shamaha, the son of Agi, the Hararite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. So here, Shama, um, he gathered into a troop and fought for David to save the people. Verse, driven down to verse 13, it reads, Then three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Abdullam. And the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephiam. David was then in the stronghold of the garrison of the Philistines, was then in Bethlehem. Verse 15, And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So David, he was brought up in Jerusalem, sorry, he was brought up in Bethlehem, which is a small town. And he wanted that water, like the nice fresh spring, spring of water. Um, and he never gave any command to anyone to get him that water. But three of these mighty men broke through the Philistines' stronghold, where their fists had encamped between David and uh, Bethlehem. 
and they went and fetched that water for David. So the Lord Jesus Christ gave a command to us to go into the whole world, preach the gospel. This and, um, you know, we ought to think of all the pioneer missionaries in the past that actually broke through enemy lines, like these mighty men of David, they broke through enemy lines to actually preach the gospel. Um, you know, we have Martin Luther King, Paul the Apostle, etc., etc. So these were mighty men of David. Verse 20, it goes on to read, Beniah was the son of Jeho Jehoiada, the son of valiant, the son of a valiant man from Kabzeel, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. So this man, he slew a lion when there was snow on the ground, which should not have been an easy task. Rather, it wasn't an easy task. And today, you know, if we look at this picture, it, you know, we, we see, we have saints, we have Christians who, when there's a slight drizzle outside, they can't even get up to go to church. And I'm not saying pointing fingers at other Christians. Like, I have done that. I'm guilty of that as well. Today, we have a lot of people who won't even come out to church when it's showering outside. Verse 39, dropping down to verse 39. It reads, And Uriah the Hittite, 37 in all. And, um, of course, Uriah is listed here. And, you know, with Uriah, this is that blot of sin in the life of David. If we look at the story of Uriah, Bathsheba and David. Now we get to chapter 24, and in chapter 24, we'll find another sin of David here. So not many um, expositors, expositors will actually label this as a sin. So on God's side, it was as bad as the other sin of David. If, um, if we're guilty of one part of the law, we're guilty of all of it. So what David did is he did not believe God and sin is sin. Verse 1 goes on to read, Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. Verse 2, So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Now go throughout all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Bathsheba, from Dan to Beersheba and count the people that I may know the number of the people. So at the beginning, God had actually, uh, God had David number the people and that was to encourage and strengthen him, to let him know that there is a great army back of him. This corresponds to what the Lord Jesus Christ said if the kings go in against an enemy, he will sit down and figure whether he will <clears throat> win or not. And this is what God wants 
able to do. So God wants us, you and me, to do this. Faith is not just a leap in the dark or, you know, a gamble. Faith is a sure thing. So God never asked us to believe something that's not true. Faith rests upon a rock, a sure foundation, and that is Christ. And he wants us to rest on this sure foundation, on this rock, on Christ. So there is a true, a time, sorry, in our lives when we actually need to live and move by faith. We need to rest on a sure foundation and recognize we can't do it by ourselves, by our own effort or numbers. And this, unfortunately, the church today has not learned to trust God. And as a result, all you know, congregational meetings and spiritual victories, they are never mentioned. Um, the thing that's mentioned is how much money is in the treasury or how many members, um, new members we, we took in or how many members were baptized. And if it actually looks good, the figures are looking good, we consider it a great spiritual victory. So David sinned in numbering the people. Why? David is an old king and now he knows he's, he, he's, he's, he's old so he's wise. And he knows that God has put a foundation under him. So he should, he had this firm foundation and he knew God was with him. And he knows he can overcome the enemy. He doesn't need to number these people at all. Sometimes the cause of the church Sorry, sometimes not the cause, sometimes the curse of the church is actually having members or a member who is actually focused on numbers and not the spiritual victories. You have some people, very good accountant and very good with admin work, and they're just focused on numbers, 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 and they ignore the spiritual victories of the church. So God now gives David a choice of punishment. And um, dropping down to verse 10. To 12, and David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. Now when David arose, arose sorry, in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David that thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for your, for yourself, that I may do it to you. So David's answer is actually very remarkable. Um, and this actually reveals that David knew how to trust God. So David's faith failed, but, and he committed a sin. But down, deep down, beneath that faith, there was a faith that never failed. And David did trust God. We all have, you know, have these lapses in faith if you're a child of God. But, you know, we have to have that faith that never failed, deep down that. Verse 14 goes on to read. And David said to God, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord 
for his mercies are great, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. So God says, um, he chooses from the three forms of punishment. So he had to choose one and David didn't choose any. That was his remarkable response. And David said to the Lord, you know, I just don't want to fall into the hand of a man. So he knows to trust God. Dropping down to verse 15. Verse 15 reads, So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning till the appointed time from Dan to Beersheba. 70,000 men of the people died. So in, in our times of trouble, when God disciplines us, the Lord loves who he disciplines. So there is a comfort and tenderness and love in all this and a blessing for he alone can wipe away the tears and he can heal the wounds in the heart, the emotional wounds that um, are in our lives that we don't get to see. You know, not obviously you have a scar and a wound outward looked in our body. The doctor will sew it up and all, but he alone can heal the wounds in our hearts. He can mend the broken hearts. So, um, so, um, yeah, so I skipped one verse and actually, yeah, let me just go back and read this verse 13. So God came to David and told him and said to him, shall seven years of famine come to you in your land or shall you flee three months before your enemies while you pursue, while they pursue you or shall there be three days plague in your land now consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me and David said to God I am in great distress please let us not fall into the hand of please let us fall into the hand of the Lord for his mercies are great but do not let me fall into the hand of man so here um, yeah, David, he responded remarkably and he says he and God, you know, asked him to choose one, one form of punishment. And he didn't want to fall into the hand of man. And he choose, he knows how to actually trust the Lord. So, yeah, like I was saying, in our times of trouble, we should trust the Lord. The Lord disciplines us, not that he doesn't love us. He chastens us, you know, out of love and tenderness and comfort. And he will heal and wipe away our tears. Verse 18 goes on to read. And God came that day to David and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aru, Aru, Rauna of Arauna, the Jebusite. So he came to, you know, here, this is actually the last part of this book. And we have David now. He wants to build a temple for the Lord. Verse 19 goes on to read David, according to the word of God, went up as the Lord commanded. Now Arauna looked and saw the king and his servants coming towards him. 
Now Arana went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Then Arana said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar for the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Arana said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems <coughs> good to him. Look, here are oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing <coughs> implements and the yoke of oxen for wood. All these the king Arana has given to the king. And Arana said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. Then the king said to Arana, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and oxen for 50 shekels of silver. So here is a noble thing that David says and God's people can actually learn from this. So we actually talk of, you know, there's a lot of talk of not mentioning finances in God's work. And um, reason being because it's just an overemphasis and just brings a lot of, you know, um, an uncomfortable space. And yeah, there's just an overemphasis on this. So Arana wanted to actually give David the threshing floor for free, but David said he would pay for it. So God have mercy on people that actually are taking a spiritual free ride and they're not giving to the Lord. Pay for where one's blessings are coming from and God will honor <coughs> and bless you. So on that threshing floor, um, the temple of Solomon was built, you know, because Solomon, David's son, built the temple, but David paid for the threshing floor, so technically it's David's temple. So the Temple of Solomon was built there, and today is where the biggest mosque, the Mosque of Omar, now stands. Verse 25 goes on to read, And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land, and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. So here is where the temple is to be built on the threshing floor of Arana, the threshing floor that David bought. So yeah, this is our study, our final study in the book of Second Samuel. It's been a great journey to see um, the life of David, you know, from David's blessings, David's faith, David's trust in the Lord, through to David's sin, and David's, um, you know, uh, being taken to the woodshed and him not whining. And it's just about faith. You know, like um, David's faith in God and um, old sin that we tend to think, you know, if we look at it and relate to ourselves, we think we get by with it. But, you know, a child of God doesn't get by with sin. If you sin, you're going to get um, taken to the woodshed. And the Lord's going to do this out of tenderness and out of love so that we may turn to him and we may trust him and he may heal us and give us the peace and understanding that we so desire. And this is our teaching for today. Thank you all for listening and God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.